Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. We're doing a series on Sunday mornings looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We started out this year doing a series on heaven, uh, six different messages that we looked at the, the truth of God's Word about what's our future home in heaven and then the uh, not just the heaven that exists now, but as described in Scripture, the new heaven and the new earth. And then we've now gone into a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And some people get the idea that there are multiple fruits of the Spirit. And as long as you have like uh, four or five out of nine, you're pretty good. And if you got seven out of nine, you're doing great. But the Scripture presents it as as one fruit, singular, but with nine characteristics. So we're going to start out in Galatians chapter 5, and then we're going to be in Philippians 4 for several uh, things, but we're also going to spend some time asking you to turn uh, to a passage in Isaiah 26 and also in Acts 27. Uh, So we'll be looking at some different scriptures, and we want you to look at it, to turn in your Bible or click on it and see God's Word and and be encouraged. We'll also have some verses up here on the screen that we won't take the time to turn to and look at, but we will reference. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, it's singular fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit wants to do in your heart and life. Now, most of the time, well, not most of the time, but there's a group of people who get the idea that when the Spirit's really working in your heart and life, you're going to do things you don't understand or say things you don't understand. But that's not all the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches about when the Spirit's really working in your life, you're going to see these characteristics. Okay? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Right now you see we have the banners up here focusing on the fruit of the Spirit. And we have uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is really working in your heart and in your life, and you're not resisting Him or quenching Him and you're partnering with Him, then these things are going to start showing up in your life. Now, some of these things will be easier than others. For me, it was a lot easier to do the the faithfulness part than it was to do the kindness part. Uh, showing mercy is not a natural giftedness in my life. I was a great sergeant in the Marine Corps. Uh, but uh, I have learned and seen the, the Lord work. You might be somebody who doesn't have joy as a natural aspect of your life. But as the Spirit works, you're going to experience more joy as you're partnering with the Spirit. So, 
Uh, uh, now it's all one fruit, so we've been using this image of one piece of fruit with nine different characteristics in that piece of fruit. And the truth is, healthy trees naturally produce healthy fruit. And so this morning, we're going to focus on the fact that the Spirit will naturally produce peace in those who are truly trusting and following Jesus Christ. He will produce peace. How many of you, at least once this year, have had an anxious moment? <laughs> we have. So he's not going to take away all anxiety, but he is going to give you peace even with the anxiety. So uh, let's take a look at some scriptures that are going to be popping on the screen. The first thing that I want you to think about is that lasting peace is a gift from the Lord. <laughs> lasting peace is a gift from the Lord. You're not going to get it by reading the newspaper. You're not going to get it by watching Fox News or CNN or any of the news medias on one end of the spectrum or the other. You're going to experience peace as a gift from the Lord. It is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so Jesus uh, gave it to his disciples. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. His peace speaks into our hearts and lives. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And later in that chapter, verse 33. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The God of peace is with us. And this is not something new. This is not a, an amazing new revelation from Paul. This was also talked about back in the Old Testament in the Psalms. Psalm 29, 11. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. So God's peace is at work in us. Lasting peace is a gift from the Lord. Now, we will not experience ultimate peace until we're in our ultimate place with the Lord in heaven and then the new heaven and the new earth. You will not experience ultimate peace while you live here on earth. But the closer you are to him, the more you will feel his peace. <coughs> so I remember when I was a kid, my dad was in charge of the Strategic Air Command printing plant in Bellevue, Nebraska. We lived in a little town called Papillion that used to be 20 miles outside of Omaha. I've heard that it's been swallowed up by Omaha now. Uh, but, but we lived out in farm country, out in the field, in a rural town in Nebraska. And dad worked on the base and the printing plant there was like a five-acre building. It was just this massive, big, huge plant, and they had huge machines uh, back in that day. Printing equipment was a lot different than it is today, and massive machine. And my dad and I were there one day. I got in with him on a Saturday, and I loved to watch the machines going and, 
and it was fun for me. And then, then we were leaving, and he turned off uh, the lights, and there was one light all the way in the back of the plant that was still on. And he said, oh, would you go back and get that light? So he turned on a couple more lights so I could walk all the way there. And I didn't know it, but he could have controlled that switch very well. He was just setting me up. And I walked all the way down there, and when I turned off that switch, he was watching, and he turned off every light. And so he told me to just come back to him, follow his voice and come back. And so I was crawling around. I, at first I was walking and then I plowed into things. And then I was crawling and then I bashed my head and pretty soon I just laid on the floor and cried. And eventually my dad, he never turned the lights back on, but eventually he walked up to me and he took my hand and we walked out together. Now, it was still dark. There were still big scary pieces of equipment. But the guy holding my hand knew the way to go because he spent a lot of time there. And so he knew the future steps that I should take. And all I had to do was walk with him. Now that's exactly how we have to work with God. Sometimes we're in the dark. We don't have a clue what's going on, why God's allowing this. But we know we can trust him. And we know he sees the future. And we can just walk with him. Lasting peace is a gift from God. I want you to take your Bibles, please, and uh, turn to Isaiah 26. And then after that, we'll turn uh, back to Philippians. Um, but Isaiah 26. And as we're looking there, there's just a couple of verses here that really speak. So... Isaiah 26, and we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. So, uh, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Verse 4, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Uh, some translations say Yah Yahweh or Jah, Jehovah is everlasting strength. See, your peace is directly proportional to your faith. Your peace is directly proportional to your faith. Look at what he says again. You will keep him in perfect peace. Shah Shalom. Perfect peace. This means the fullness of peace. Uh, if we were talking about it, you'd say this is peace squared or mega peace. This is, this is the fullness of peace. God will keep those in the fullness of peace. Who are the people he's going to do that to? The ones whose mind is stayed on you. The one who's thinking about trusting in and following the Lord. The one who's conscious of the Lord in their daily life. And they will stay in perfect peace. See, it's kind of like you look at the life of Jesus and he models it for us. Jesus was walking through the circumstances of life and there were some people who loved him and some people who hated him and some folks in between. 
Some of the folks in between loved him when he fed them, but then they ended up hating him because he didn't keep feeding them. And, and there were all kinds of uh, different opinions about Jesus. But the ones who trusted him, the ones who walked with him, they were the ones who could have peace. Their mind is stayed on you. So, do you trust God with the circumstances of your life? You know what I found when I was a dad? And, well, I'm still a dad, but I don't have little kids at home anymore. Uh, but one of the things I found when I had little kids at home, it's a lot easier to trust God for my health than it was to trust God for my kids' health. And when one of my kids was in the hospital and it was scary, I panicked. Not because God changed, but because I was no longer trusting God in those circumstances. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's pretty ridiculous for a full-grown man to think that he can help his kid more than God can. And you know what? You're exactly right. It was ridiculous. But we need to trust him in our circumstances. So it's harder to trust God when people you love are suffering. I have uh, today, well, this past week, received texts from my siblings. We set up a text chat group, and uh, they've been sharing prayer requests for friends that are in desperate circumstances. And, and right now, my younger brother and my older sister both have a friend that is has a, a is either their friend is septic or their friend's child is septic. And they're in the hospital and it's scary. And so we're praying for them. But in the midst of the difficulties of life, you can still experience the peace of God when you are trusting him. Doesn't just happen automatically. You don't wake up in the morning and say, today I will trust God, I'm just going to have peace, 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 peace all day long. You have to choose to do it. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were saved. But you still struggle sometimes to trust and follow Him. So the fullness of peace is experienced only by those who have the fullness of faith to trust God completely. Your peace is directly proportional to your faith. Now, in verse 4, he says, trust in the Lord forever. Now, that's not just a time measurement. It means for everything. Not just for every day of your life, but trust in the Lord for everything in your life. For in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. So when your strength is gone, the Lord's strength is not. I, I do love the passage in Scripture where Jesus is talking to the dad, and the he says to the dad, if you believe, this can happen. Do you believe? And the dad said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> I, I believe you, but I'm not sure it's enough. He, he really wanted help. And so your peace is going to be directly proportional to your faith. The more time you spend studying who God is and how he works in humanity as you read and 
study the scripture, the more you can trust in what God is doing. Uh, last week we looked at Joseph, uh, sold into slavery, sold again into slavery, uh, and falsely accused and thrown into prison, and those steps took Joseph exactly where he needed to be for Joseph to save thousands of people, including his own family, from the famine that came. So Joseph, God didn't reveal to Joseph, hey man, this is going to be rough for a few years or a dozen years, it, 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 but then it'll get better. But Joseph trusted what God was doing. And the scriptures repeatedly said that God was with Joseph. I now turn back to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And the third thing that I want you to see today is that prayer plus trust equals peace. Prayer plus trust. So we're going to look at Philippians 4 and verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for only the big stuff. Is that what it says? Be anxious only when it involves a member of your family. No. Be anxious for nothing. When my kids were little, uh, I became the pastor of a church. And, well, Benjamin wasn't little yet. He wasn't born. Uh, but when, when we were there, and there was this older guy in the church, and he would go up to my kids, and he'd say, Hey, do you get paid for being good? And they'd say, no. And he said, oh, well, then you're good for nothing. <laughs> and they'd say, no. He <laughs> really messed with their heads. <laughs> but be anxious for nothing. Nothing. So, when you have anxiety, that's the wrong response. Now, I know people who say, well, I'm not anxious. I just have concerns. <laughs> they're, they're trying to spiritualize their anxiety. Right now, if you look at the life of Jesus, when Jesus was in the garden and he was praying, and he said, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And people say, see, Jesus had anxiety when he was on the earth. I don't think that was anxiety. I think that was a realistic perspective of what he was going to face. And instead of having anxiety and fretting and worrying, he chose to yield to God and trust God. And, and so we, we have the capacity to not be anxious. We have the capacity to trust. If you're watching a delayed broadcast, of, of a game, and you know that your team, football, baseball, hockey, whatever, your team was down, and, and or you're watching a delayed broadcast of a NASCAR race, and your driver was, all, he was in first place, and then second place, and then third place, and then fourth place, and then you, you know how it ends. He races back and wins by this much at the line. Or they score that last goal and, and they win that half-court shot in basketball and it goes in. See, when you know your team's going to win, 
you don't have the anxiety about what's going on in the game. Well, if you're on God's team, your team's going to win. God said so. And you're on his team. You're in his family. You're going to win. And so we don't have to have the anxiety of, of daily life. He says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You can overcome anxiety through prayer. Prayer plus trust leads to peace. Uh, supplication is making specific requests to God for yourself or for someone else with supplication. And then he says with thanksgiving, being grateful for what God has done, is doing, and will do. One of the reasons we every month take a moment out of the service to share blessings is because we want you to think about your blessings and be consciously aware of the good that God is doing in your life. Yes, life on earth can be hard and challenging and painful, but God is still God and God is still good. And we can rejoice in his goodness. Then he adds something else. So if you look at verse 6, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your what? Let your requests be made known to God. Now, I read this uh, ad in a magazine once. And this guy said, he can teach you how to focus your prayers. And he said, most people, when they pray, it's like a shotgun blast. How many of you have ever seen a shotgun blast? What a shotgun blast does is it spreads out. You fire a bullet, the bullet stays together. It's in a case. And, and so the bullet goes out, and, and a bullet just has one trajectory and one line. But a shotgun spreads out. And so if, if you shoot a shotgun at something, and you're some distance away. Sorry, there's a little spot on the floor there that sinks down a little bit. Uh, and, and you're shooting at, and, and then if I was standing here and I was shooting at that door with a rifle, there would be one little hole in the door. But if I was shooting at it with a shotgun, there'd be one big hole in the door because it spreads out. And this guy said, I can teach you how to focus your prayers like a laser beam so you will get exactly what you want. Now, Prayer begins with submitting to God. As Jesus in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. So you and I pray, and we make requests. Requests. Uh, one Sunday night recently, we had a favorite hymn night, and people could request the song they wanted to do. And our song leader said, uh, we're not doing that one. <laughs> it was a request. And we did a different song. Actually, they really wanted a different song. They just saw the title in the hymnal and thought it was the same thing. But, but you can make requests to God. You can't demand from God. God's God. And kids, you're not. 
The adults have already figured out they're not, but sometimes it takes kids a while to figure them out. You're not God, you're not in charge, the world is not going to go the way you want it all the time. And so you have to trust him and follow him. And so uh, surgery causes lingering pain, right? But it's also necessary. And God allows things in your life that cause pain and sometimes lingering pain, but he only allows what is best, even when it hurts. He allows what is best. So true prayer submits to God. He's in charge, and you're not. And when God says no, it can hurt and cause lingering pain, but it's necessary for the ultimate good of what God is doing. God is good. We can trust him. Prayer plus trust. So be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds uh, through Christ Jesus. This past week, I was reading the story of a mom who, they moved into a new house in, uh, I don't remember the year, I think it was 2015. They moved into this house in October, and in April there was a tornado. And in their house, they didn't have a tornado shelter, they didn't have even a basement. So they all kind of huddled in the bathtub with a big mattress over the top of them because that was the best that they could do. And the tornado hit, direct hit on their house. And it destroyed the house. And she was beat up really badly, but so was her husband. And both of her young boys died. And she said she found great comfort because the morning of the tornado before they knew there was a tornado in the area. Her son told her, Mom, I'm ready to go to heaven. Are you going to miss me when I'm gone? She said, I'm going to miss you. If you go, I'm going to miss you every day for the rest of my life until we're back together. And that's exactly what happened later that day. And the mom said, I can have peace knowing he's with the Lord. They were believers. Her son was not just making up a story about being ready to go to heaven. He had trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he was ready to go to heaven. So God can allow things in your life that are beyond your capacity, beyond your ability. You think, I cannot endure this. And yet, if you will trust him, submit to him, he will give you the grace and strength that you need. He will also give you peace. Now, verses 8 and 9 said peace, or teach that peace comes through healthy thinking. Peace comes through healthy thinking. So look at verse 8. Finally, brethren. All right, that doesn't mean he's writing only to the men. It means he's writing to believers. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble. By the way, let's go back to the things that are true. How many of you have ever worried about something and then it never happened? (laughs) So things that are true are not things imagined. Mm -hmm. Things that are true, we focus on what's real and true. Things that are noble, these are good things in and of themselves. We're not thinking about how we can pay somebody back. 
No, that's not. That's not noble. Things that are noble. Things that are just. They're appropriate and righteous. Whatever things are pure. Uh, without sin involved in the process. Uh, whatever things are lovely. They're beautiful. They're helpful. There's a transcendent value of them. Whatever things are of good report. If you were going to get a report card for thinking about that thing, would your report card say A plus, or would it say you're thinking about the wrong thing? A good report. If there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So think about these things. Peace comes through healthy thinking. So these things, this list of things, these are the things you should think about. Things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Things that are virtuous, things that are praiseworthy. Focus on these things. Now, you're not gonna get this focus by watching the news. I don't think it's, listen, I don't think it's evil to watch the news. But if all you do is obsess about the news, you're just going to end up with a very negative attitude. The news focuses on negativity and sensationalism. There's very few news stories about something feel-good. In fact, one of the stations does have a, a feel-good thing. Once a week, the last five minutes of the newscast, there's a feel-good feel good thing. And all the rest of it's hype and panic and stirring things up and causing division. And, and so don't obsess over the news. Don't obsess over the circumstances of life on earth. If you're going to obsess over anything, obsess over the Lord and his awesome love for you and his protection for your life. And so think about the good things. And you know, you, you can shift your focus. So peace comes through healthy thinking. Romans 8.5 has been our verse for the month. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now we're going to add verse 6 to that. Romans 8.6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. So the more we focus on spiritual things and think about spiritual truths, the more we will experience peace. Now, Satan can put thoughts in your head. We read about that in Acts chapter 5. Uh, Satan put thoughts in the head of Ananias and Sapphira, and it led him into trouble, and it led to their premature death. So he can do that. You're not responsible for every thought that comes into your head. But here's what you are responsible. You're responsible for the thinking pattern that stays in your head, for the thinking process. See, a, a thought can pop in, and you didn't plan that. You didn't think that. You weren't sitting there thinking about something, this thought can just pop into your head. Some heads, it pops in a little easier than others, you know? It just pops in there. But you're responsible for what happens after it gets in there. You can take it captive. You can dismiss it. You can focus on other things. 
you don't have to obsess about that thing. Uh, you can shift your thoughts and renew your mind. You can generate new synapses. Now, some of you have struggled with addiction of one kind or another. And those of us who've struggled with addiction, we know that there was a pattern in our life. There were stressors, there were triggers, and there were patterns. And so when we had that stressor or that trigger, here's the pattern that we would do. And if you were addicted to alcohol, then this would happen and you'd drink. Or drugs, this would happen and you'd drink. Or other stuff you could be addicted to, all kinds of different things. And the stress and the trigger, and you would just, it was an automatic response. You didn't stop and think about it, it just happened. Because your body had learned it. And now you can reroute your thinking, change your brain, change your mind, rewire the synapses so the trigger can happen and you will not do the action. The trigger's the same, the, the thing that would normally kick you off, but you have now rewired your brain and so you're going to respond differently. So that when you have that stress or that trigger, you're not going to want to drink alcohol. You're going to want to avoid alcohol because you know how badly alcohol messed up your life if you were addicted to it. And so you, you change the way your brain works. As Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're changing your thinking process by walking with the Lord and looking at his word because peace comes through healthy thinking. That's where it comes from. So you change your thinking patterns. And then healthy thinking patterns are achievable by anyone and everyone every day. See, Paul said, think on these things. He didn't say, give it your best shot, but you're probably not man enough to pull it off. He said, think on these things. You can do it. It's possible. It's a command in Scripture, and God never commands anything that he doesn't give us the capacity to deal with. So meditate. Think on these things. You can shift the gears in your brain to get into right thinking tracks. All right, turn to Acts. We're going to jump back to Philippians 4. But if you turn to Acts 27. <laughs> so, while I was reading these verses, I remember when Jim and Cloyce and Kathy and I were in the same church like 50 years ago. Pastor Johnson would go to this passage of Scripture and he would say, this is the danger of women drivers. <laughs> and, and he would use this passage of Scripture. He'd say, Look at the last few words of verse 15. And it says, we let her drive. And then the last few words of verse 17. And so we're driven. And then the last few words of verse 20. And all hope that we should be saved was finally given up. <laughs> Pastor John, his wife didn't drive at the time. And he would say, that's the danger of women driving. <laughs> now, his wife later, somebody bought her driving lessons. She went to driving school, and they also bought her a car, and she learned to drive. But he would harass her about those verses. But 
But see, Paul changes the way he thinks. And we're going to see it in this passage. In verse number 9, Paul said, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Uh, but the centurion was um, more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by Paul. So Paul's advising them, hey, let's not go on this trip at this time. It's too dangerous. But they went anyway. And so in verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. It was finally given up. I've been in the hospital room. I've been with parents who had to, by recommendation of the doctors, their child was brain dead. I've been with children whose parents, the doctor said, there's no brain pattern. They're not really alive. It's the machines doing the work to make them breathe. And that's when all hope is lost. That's how these guys felt on this ship. They felt like God had pulled the plug and they were dying. But then it changes. So look down at verse 21. Paul, after long abstinence, abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Man, you should have listened to me. Don't you love Paul? <laughs> I told you this would happen. Okay? You should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take part for there will be no loss of life among you. Wait, originally Paul said there would be loss of life. Now he's saying there'll be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. What changed? Verse 23. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong. I love the way he phrased that. Not just the God I serve, but the God to whom I belong. We're his. The God to whom I belong. And he said, Here's the message that he got from God. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. That's like an answer to Paul's prayer. The scripture don't record his prayer, but the way it's written here, you think Paul is praying for the people on the ship. Then in verse 25, here's what Paul says. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. I believe God that it will be just as he told me. Do you believe God? Do you trust in God? So the difference between verse 20, all hope that we should be saved was lost. And verse 25, Paul said, we're going to be fine. The ship's toast, but we're good. What's the difference? Instead of focusing on the desperate situation, he chose to trust God and focus on the truth of the message that he had from God. And his anxiety turned to peace because he renewed his mind based on the revelation he received from God. Healthy thinking patterns are achievable by anyone and everyone every day. In the midst of a horrible multi-week storm on a 
relinquish yet. Paul could stand up and say, I trust God and you'll be fine if you guys stick with me. And they were. So, uh, prayer plus trust plus obedient thoughts and actions equal sustained peace. Go back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Philippians 4 and verse 9. He says in verse 9, The things which you have learned and received and heard and sought in me, these do. Obedient thoughts and actions, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. You'll have sustained peace when you put this together. Now earlier we turned to Isaiah 26. I want to pop it up on the screen here. Verses 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. You can trust him. Feeling peace about something, just a caution here, does not mean because you feel peace that it's the right thing. I know a lot of diabetics who feel peace about eating donuts. That, that's not the right thing to do. Uh, you can feel peace fraudulently or falsely. Uh, some people feel peace about their own sinful choices, but God's peace comes when we're walking with him. See, uh, listen carefully. This is very important. The goal is not to pursue peace or even seek peace. We seek the Lord. We trust and follow Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. He produces peace. The fruit of the Spirit includes peace. So he will produce that. Prayer plus trust plus obedient thoughts and actions equals sustained peace of the Lord working in your heart and life. You have to pursue him. You have to have a, a create a pattern of obedience and trust in your own thoughts and in your own life and that the Holy Spirit will produce that peace inside you that comes only from him. King David was a man pursuing the heart of God. He's known in scripture as a man after God's heart, a man pursuing the heart of God. And so here's a prayer that David wrote 3,000 years ago. He said, but the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. That's what the Holy Spirit does when we walk in obedience and we trust and follow Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would have peace in the right way for the right reasons, because we're following you and trusting you. We thank you for the work the Holy Spirit does in our hearts and lives. And if there are those here this morning who have never trusted Christ, never asked Jesus to be their Savior, never repented of their sins and turned to you, Lord, I pray that they might do it today before they leave this place. And for those of us who have trusted you, I pray that we would trust you not only for our souls, not only for our salvation, but also for the circumstances of our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.